Thank you so much for joining Enoch Baptist Church Podcast. This is your host, C.B. Baker. Yes, I'm the guy in the front row usually taking video and pictures for Instagram and for Facebook. Joining us today, like for every podcast we will be having, is our pastor, Dr. Michael G. Daniels. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Daniels. Thank you so very much. Good to be here. Uh, it's always great to, uh, to be able to sit down and have a good conversation about what the practical applications of, of what the, the doctrines of the Bible represent. That's good. So the first church service was um, Acts 24, 14 through 16. So can you give us a brief like overview of that? Well, you know, Paul, um, who, who's the center of that particular text, uh, Paul is the, an individual that um, is trying desperately uh, to let people know about um, Jesus and why he came and, and how to be better in your lifestyle. Uh, but like, uh, uh, like many of us are, when you get someone that is becoming successful, you know, you know, we have a lot of haters. And so with Paul, um, he had a lot of haters. And, and, and the primary reason for that, that hatred with Paul was not because what he had to say was so out of uh, character or anything, but it represented a departure from what the current religious base was used to. Uh, religion at that time was, it looked inward. In, in fact, uh, most of those leaders, their primary focus was to, you know, line their pockets with money. And here Paul was saying that the opposite should be true, that, that religion was not to cater to the leaders, but to cater to those that were the followers to make their lives better. And so because of that, um, they, they looked to um, bring Paul down. And so they were attempting to use the legal system to bring him down because their concept was this goes against not only our beliefs, but it also goes against the status quo of today. So basically, in a nutshell, Pastor, let me get this straight. So basically, if they hated on Paul, people are going to hate on everyday people. You better believe it. Uh, for you know, for whatever reason, our human nature seems to be that we all want to be numero uno. And anytime you rise above me, I begin to hate you. Uh, not realizing that just because you get your dreams, that has nothing to do with whether or not I can achieve my dreams. Uh, but we seem to feel that way. And so we tend to dislike people who do better than, than we do. Uh, even though we may even idolize some of them, we still seem to have that sense of animosity. If, if I view you to be on the same level as me, but yet you rise above me. That causes me a problem. You know, one thing, uh, Pastor, that I, I've noticed about going to church is that usually the message is you can you can have this also. You can be blessed. You know, if you if you show up, you do the right things and you, and you follow God's plan, you can be blessed. And I think a lot of people kind of get in their own way by looking at what other people have and say, I don't have that. Why don't I have it? So since I don't have it, I don't like the fact that they have it. Right. And, that, you know, what you're saying is absolutely true. The beauty of the gospel is it's for everybody. And unfortunately, most of those who are, who become haters are those that are that, that fail to follow the doctrines that Jesus laid out, and, and 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 so because of that, they don't get what 
um, they could get from from you know the benefits of being a, a solid Christian. Uh, but but we, there is enough pieces of the pie to go around for everybody. There's not like there's a limited amount of joy. You know, I mean, there, there's no volume of joy that it keeps decreasing as I get more joy. Right. So no matter how much joy I get. It doesn't mean you can't get joy too. There's not like there's a limited amount of resources on this earth from the standpoint of what our Heavenly Father offers to us. Uh, you know, we may seem to think that the issues are, well, you know, you have more money than I have, or you have a bigger house than I have, and that equates to our joy, but that's not true. Uh, my feeling of wholeness, my feeling of, of getting that which makes me feel good about me, it's really not about how much money I have because money doesn't truly make you happy. I know people seem to feel that way, but that's not true. What makes you happy is when you feel good about your accomplishments, when you feel good about you, and you can enjoy those around you. And if you're following Christ the way he outlined it, that's what will happen to you. The little bit will seem like a lot, and the lot you will share with others because you so feel you feel so good about it. Yes, one one uh, comment that you uh, made at the pulpit yesterday was I may not worship the way you worship, but that doesn't make me wrong. And that seemed like that was the undertone for the whole sermon yesterday. A absolutely. We spend so much time when I say we, I mean Christians in general. We spend so much time looking at what others do and don't do that we take away from what we should be doing. Uh, you know, I, I, it's, it's simple. And if, you, if those of us who are parents uh, hopefully can get this analogy, all of your children don't show love in the same way. Uh, all of them don't have the same personality, but you still accept that they all love you, you know. And as a matter of fact, you who are the elder recognize that because you have the wisdom to see that they are different. So they will respond differently. So you love them the same. Now, the irony of it is your children may fight for your affection yes. <laughs> and, and they may not appreciate the fact that you accept them all differently. But, you know, you do. And it's the same way, unfortunately, with us who have become adults even though we should be mature enough to understand that our Heavenly Father knows we are different. He accepts us differently. Uh, we don't want to accept each other as being different. And so I want you to do it my way. And if you don't do it my way, then for some reason, I think you are all wrong. But there's no one way to love. There is just uh, one entity to love. And as long as I love him and worship him, some folk may worship him quietly. Some folk may worship him loudly. Some folk may like to call his name while they're worshiping. And some folk may like to meditate. Uh, and I, another thing I want to point out is that we often confuse lifestyle with worship. We often assume that if my lifestyle is different from yours, that means my worship style from yours. And that's how we tend to equate it. But that's not the case. Uh, we can have different lifestyles and still have the same worship. In fact, the Bible recognizes we have different lifestyles. If there were no sinners, there would be no need for forgiveness of sin. But our concept is if you have a lifestyle that doesn't equate to my lifestyle, then your worship is not pure. Uh, I think it's the opposite. I think that the more reasons, I have more reason to worship 
when I have been less pure, because if God can forgive me for a thousand sins, that's right. And then I have more reason to be thankful than if he only forgave me for one sin. Yes. And then he, then he woke you up in the morning to give you another chance at it. That, that's right. And so every day becomes a, a new day. And especially if I know I should not have been here that day, <laughs> that really gives me a reason to say, Lord, I'm thankful. While other folk may say, well, why should he be worshiping? Because after all, he was at the club last night. I can still smell the alcohol on his breath. Well, if I was at the club last night and there was a shooting at the club last night and I was not the one to get shot, I have more reason to come to church and to be thankful and to worship the one that protected me from the gunshot. Uh, again, I, I equate it to, to, to my life as a child. Um, certainly, when I did something wrong and my parents did not spank me, uh, right. I had more reason to say I loved them than if they spanked me every time I did something wrong. That's right. <laughs> and then, you know, and then of course, if you, if you get spanked every time you did something wrong, it starts losing its, its effect also. It, it loses its effect. And it also loses on me the reason why you're spanking me. There you go. And so I began to view it as a punishment and not as a corrective measure. And spanking really should be to correct and not to punish. And so that's what forgiveness is all about. Forgiveness recognizes that um, we, even though we may be 30, 40, 50 years old, we're still children at heart and we still make mistakes. And so even if my mistake is one that is ongoing. And I think that's what bothers some people because they think that I should always learn from my mistake and then change. But that's not true. Again, I use us as practical examples. Uh, there are all, we oftentimes get in debt with credit cards. We oftentimes spend more than we have to spend at Christmas time. That's right. And then we lament it after the fact and say, I'm not going to do it anymore. The next year we do the exact same thing. So the mere fact that we continue to make a mistake does not mean that we don't have a desire not to make the mistake. Our Heavenly Father just recognizes that we are children in that regard and we are prone to repeat our mistakes. So he accepts that, forgives us as long as we recognize who he is in our life. Okay, well, um, one other um, comment that you made yesterday, which really... um, really struck me kind of deep, which was you compare me to perfection, not to yourself. And what I got from that was what I took from that was when I look at other people and I'm thinking about, okay, you're not worshiping the way I worship, or you're not running a business the way that I would run a business or doing a certain thing the way I would do it. But I'm comparing it not necessarily to what I would do, but to a perfect way of doing it. Because when you walk into a restaurant, you want everything to be perfect. Absolutely. And, and, and I will I take it a step further. When I say we compare it to perfection, I mean we compare it to our, our idea yeah. of perfection. Uh, because our idea of perfection is only based on our preference and not based on the reality of perfection. Uh, you know, for example, I may have an idea of the perfect woman. But that don't mean that your idea of a perfect of woman. a perfect woman. Yeah. And so my comparison is based on my ideal and my preferences. And so that applies not only in our everyday life, as you say, in business, in in, in how we choose careers. Uh, and and I, I would say this. I think um, a perfect example of that, or a good example, I should say, is something that my father taught me. 
Um, when I look at the perfect career, for example, uh, and the, I don't view the perfect career as being a janitor. I don't personally. Right. You know, for me, the perfect career was uh, being a financial manager. My father said to me one time, he said, uh, listen, uh, someone has to be the janitor. Someone has to collect the garbage. Someone has to buff, bust the tables. He said, the issue is not whether or not you do those jobs, but whether or not you do them because you have to or because you want to. Right. He said, so if you want to do it, just be the best at it. So his appreciation was this. The perfect job is the one that you want to have and not the one I think you should have. And so the same thing, again, applies in everyday life of, 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 of who you get as your friends, but also how you serve your God. Um, we tend to think perfection is based on our ideas and not based on our own uh, equity. Because if I judge you based on me, then obviously all of my frailties would come to light. And if I compared you to me, I would find that Quite frankly, few of us are different in that regard. I know no one that doesn't lie. I know no one that doesn't steal. I know no one that doesn't cheat in one way or another. Right. And so from that regard, then I would have to say that either all of us are perfect or all of us are imperfect, depending on how you look at it. That's right. Now, the 11 o'clock service really had a really good message, which was finding your chair mints your worst storm. And I... I can admit that um, finding cheer in the middle of a storm is very difficult to do. And it's something that everybody on this earth has to go through at some point in in their life is they're going to go through a storm. One thing that really struck out to me was when you told how they just said, "Okay, I'm going to just drop everything and let the storm just take me and being prepared for where you land at was a real resonated with me to see, okay, if I'm in the middle of something, I have to make sure that I got everything straight. And then at some point I'm going to lose something Mm -hmm. and then don't be mad at the things that I've lost because if I have my life, I have not lost everything. Absolutely. So therefore, all the other things I can get back. And I'm pretty sure that if with my faith in God, he will make sure that I'm going to be set up better than what I was before I went into the storm. So the storm is also seems like in your message was a a setup to really propel you further in life to your next chapter. Absolutely. Um, I think what's so interesting also about that particular incident, again, as you as you said, all of us go through storms, uh, some worse than others. If I can imagine the worst storm I could encounter and figure out how to find joy in the middle of that one, then the other ones won't seem to be as difficult. Uh, for, for these individuals who found themselves in a storm, and this is referring to Paul when he was on his way from Jerusalem to, to, um, to Rome, when they got caught up in the storm, they got caught up in the storm because they failed to listen to Paul. So that would, in a sense, say to me that sometimes I find myself in a storm because I have failed to listen to those that are wiser than myself. Okay, But then there's sometimes I'm in a storm, not because I didn't listen. Sometimes I'm in a storm because I need a lesson. And so it could be either because I didn't listen or I need a lesson. Now, when, when they were in the middle of their storm, uh, they were seasoned uh, sailors, seasoned individuals. 
And they realized at some point that the storm was more powerful than them. So their only option was to let go and let the storm take its course and have its way. If they were to continue fighting against the storm, then they would exhaust themselves. And so when the storm did let up, they would not be able because they would have been exhausted to, to get to shore. Oftentimes what we do when we're in the middle of a storm is we exhaust ourselves. We spend so much time fighting against the inevitable that when the storm does uh, subside, we, we have given up all of our hope so we can't get to shore because we have exhausted ourselves in worration about that which we could not control. We've exhausted ourselves fighting against battles we could not win. And so at the end of the day, we lose our ever-loving mind because we are exhausted because of our fight. So for Paul and them, it was a matter of saying, hey, listen, Paul says to them, let's stop fighting. Let's just let the storm take us. Let's go ahead and get some substance. Let's strengthen ourselves up. So when the storm does subside, we can get to shore. Now, when we get to shore, we're going to lose the ship. Perhaps that tells us that there are a lot of things we don't need on anyway, you know, and as you indicated, many of us think we have to carry people with us when we're in the storm. Right. Uh, but sometimes it is meant for you to lose those people out of your life because they may be the reason you're in the storm in the first place. Right. And if you keep holding on to them, you will always find yourself in difficulty. It could be habits that you have taken on. It could be a number of things. But sometimes the Lord puts us in a storm so that we can learn a lesson. And then there are times we are in the storm because we fail to listen. When I fail to listen, the beauty of that is to understand this, that if I allow myself to be led by God, I will still come out on top. I will still survive and I will come out better than what I went in because I will have learned a great lesson. But the fact that I know that God will bring me out should give me reason to have good cheer. Yes, and that's very true. And I just know that in the people that I've counseled throughout my career and in, in doing coaching work, they always seem to come to me at the worst possible time in their life or right at the beginning of the of the. Um, changes that they've had. They've already went through the storm and now on the sand, now they're looking for help. Which way do I go? I've lost, you know, I don't have the ship anymore, but you didn't really need the ship anymore because now you're on dry land. So guiding people through that. But one thing I will say, Pastor, that seems like people kind of forget what got you through the storm is also the same thing that will get you to your next level. Absolutely. And, and, and I'll say this too. We also forget who brought the storm. You know, if you can understand this, he who brought the storm is he who delivered you through the storm. So if he has the authority and the power to bring a storm, he will never bring a storm so great to cause your demise because that's not the purpose for the storm in the first place. And, and since he will never bring a storm so great to bring your demise, he's always able to bring you through the storm. And as you say, once you get on dry land, if he can keep you in the storm, you know he can keep you on dry land. So that, that should be, you know, a, a, a no-brainer. And so uh, for me, that right there should give me joy to know that he who brought me through will keep me better once I get on the shore than what I did when he was when I was in the water. Uh, but like you say, people tend to come um, at those moments feeling that all of their hope is gone. And I think that's to me is, is central is that people need to understand that 
if you have made it through, then you have a way to be better than what you were when you went in. Uh, again, I, I revert back to my father because in my opinion, he was one of the wisest men that I knew. And one of the things that he would always say to me, anytime I found myself in the middle of a storm or coming out of a storm, I should say, he would ask me one simple question. What did you learn? And if I could tell him anything I learned, he would say, then it was well worth it. He said, because education, uh, there's no price that you can put on it. And so if, if nothing else, anytime you come out of a storm, ask yourself a simple question. What did I learn? Right. And if you learned a valuable lesson, it was well worth the storm. Uh, because you have something now that not only can you take for later on, as you said, to get us to a higher level, but we can now share that with others who we love in our lives. So they, when they're faced with a storm, will be able to find their cheer because right. now they know they can make it through as well. Yeah. You know, one thing I will say is, you know, when I was younger, you know, people, older people would tell me, you know, CB, um, you're going to experience this. And I was like, no, it's not going to happen. I'm going to be fine. And sometimes people just have to go through it for them to understand what the people were saying. You know, um, you know, sometimes you just got to let people just go through the, the storm and just let it happen, you know, in order for them to really get the understanding of what they was doing wrong and how to correct it. Mm -hmm. And then also once they figure out how to correct it and they keep it corrected, you could just see their life just propelled to another level. Absolutely. You know, to me, again, um, experience is the best teacher. Uh, and hopefully, you know, everyone does not have to experience all of the heartache and pain. Uh, but again, I have to go back to uh, our scripture. Uh, uh, and, and the Bible says this, that a, a wise man requires a, a, a conversation, but a fool, many stripes. And so oftentimes, <laughs> uh, for some of us, we need a rough storm right. to teach us a lesson. And, and if we are wise, we'll adhere to the experiences of those around us and not go through. But like you say, as long as we learn, then that's a benefit. And, and, and some of us do have to go through. And, and also, I'll, I'll say this, is that, you know, in order to really appreciate and have joy in life, Storms are sometimes necessary, uh, even in nature. Um, great storms do so much to improve the ecological status of our, our universe. Right. And, and so th th that's a part of the regeneration, the part of bringing new growth. It's a part of making the world a better place. And so if that same process has to be applied to the world, why do we think it should not be applied to us? You know, uh, and that, that's how you get new life. A storm right. comes through, a hurricane comes through, and it drives nutrients into uh, the shallower waters. And so now the fish have more food. And so now the larger fish have more smaller fish. Right. And it just, you know, it's, it, it's a snowball effect. Everyone right. benefits from it. We tend to think the opposite. When the storm comes, we, oh my God, I'm going through. But well, maybe it's bringing nutrients to us too. Maybe, and then but the nutrients I mean is an education. Right. And, and so- our and character. And character, right. So now we grow. And when we grow, those around us grow, especially parents. Um, and I can't say that enough. Um, when I grow, my children should grow. Uh, not because 
uh, I am forcing them to feel the effects of the storm, but because it helps me to understand how to shelter them from the storms or to bring them up in a way that they don't have to experience some of the storms that I experienced. All right. Now, for the, the people listening to this podcast, there's some people that seem in their life, they may seem to be going through a years long storm. They just can't seem to get out of it. What's your advice um, for them to be able to try to get out of this storm? I would say there are usually um, two or three main reasons people cannot get out of storms. One is because they fight against the current. Uh, if I'm in a storm and the storm is trying to push me to the shore and I keep fighting that, then I will stay in the storm for an extended period of time. Sometimes you have to let the storm just play out. And then once it plays out, you can start to, to rebuild and to reestablish. But then there's some that it's not so much that they stayed in the storm they just keep getting back in the water. <laughs> the storm right. will push them to the shore. Right. And rather than them staying on the shore, they get back in the water. So they feel the brunt of storms continuously that way. And I like that the people who keep going back and doing the same thing over and over and over again because they fail to ask the simple question, what was the lesson for me to, to, to learn? Uh, so those are the those are the main two reasons that people tend to tend to experience longevity in a storm. Right. And so what I would say to the first case that if you find that you are fighting against the storm, it's time to stop fighting and use the storm to your advantage. If it's pushing you somewhere, try to determine where and why is it pushing you in that direction, and then work with it to better yourself so it's a smoother ride. If it's because you keep going back in the water every time you get on the shore, unfortunately, you didn't learn the lesson. So it's time to sit back and ask yourself, what lesson should I have learned from going through? Why do I keep going back to the same thing over and over again? Why am I thinking that if I do it this time, it will work when it hasn't worked all those other times? It is times like those when we must seek the advice of those who have more wisdom than we have. And I say that to, to people because we, we, we tend to want to uh, think that for some reason it is a bad thing to go to someone for advice. And I think that's the beauty of, you know, the, the platform that you have in conquering dreams and things like that. It gives people uh, a platform to say, wait a minute, let me go and seek advice from someone who has that wisdom, who understands how to develop plans for future. But unfortunately, uh, we tend to be afraid to seek that kind of advice. So that would be my advice to people is to seek out that kind of uh, advice from those who understand storms, uh, have degrees in stormology, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> know how to help you get yeah. through. Well, thank you, Pastor Daniels. And thank you, people, for listening to this podcast. This will be going on every week. We will try to dis um, discuss the the previous church service, the 9 a.m. service and the 11 a.m. service. So we look forward to seeing everybody this coming Wednesday at Bible study, as well as the church service on Sunday. Thank you so much. This is your host, C.B. Baker. Till next time.